0: This is React Podcast. I'm Chantastic. Today, Chris on Code gives us a behind the scenes look at Scotch.io, the challenges of monetizing a blog, the emotional toll of selling your business, and what he's cooking up next at MakeReactApps.com. Before we dive in, let me tell you something about the sponsors that are making this episode happen, Infinite Red and Test Cafe. Having access to developers that know React inside and out and know the direction the library is headed can take your development and team dynamics to new heights. If you don't have that, you need to find it. And I recommend Infinite Red. Infinite Red has been designing, building, and shipping apps for 10 years, and they want to bring that expertise to your apps, products, and services. Infinite Red has a sweet deal right now where you get $750 for referring a new project. Get expert help from Infinite Red by visiting reactpodcast.infinite.red. End-to-end testing doesn't have to be painful and expensive. In fact, the harder it is, the less you'll do it and the more your customers will suffer. The good news is that end-to-end testing can be quick, and painless with Test Cafe. Test Cafe gives you everything you need to gain the confidence that your web app works as expected for every user on every deploy. Free, open source, and easy to set up, Test Cafe allows you to write tests in JavaScript or TypeScript and run them across all major modern browsers, Chrome, Firefox, Opera, Safari, and Microsoft Edge. Now, setup is actually an area where most end-to-end testing tools struggle. It can be a real hassle to wrangle all of the browser drivers needed. Test Cafe doesn't require web drivers or additional software. After a short install, you're ready to test. Test Cafe is free and open source, so it costs nothing to try. Install it today by visiting testcafe.io and enjoy testing. Chris on code, welcome to React Podcast. Right on. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Longtime fan. <laughs> Me too. I'm a long-time fan of yours. We actually met at, I think it was React Conf last year, was it?
1: Is that the first time we hung out? Yeah, it feels like forever now with all how <laughs> 2020's gone. But uh, yeah, I think that was like last November, December 2019.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does feel like forever. I feel like Twenty twenty months are like like a whole quarter. Like every month
1: <laughs> <laughs> is three months. <laughs>
0: is three months. Yeah, it's just really, it's just really odd how how twenty twenty's been going. Um, but you've been making the most of it. I uh, you've been talking a lot about this new um, React course material that you um, are creating, and I just wanted to kind of dive in and learn a little bit about what you got for people um, at makereactapps.com. Yeah. So tell me a little bit of the rundown. Like what's your, like kind of the high level of this thing.
1: So uh, if you if you check out the site, there's like um, a goofy chat box I have on there. Uh, and it was kind of like my sales pitch, which is essentially, I think I had this conversation at React Conf a bunch with some people is usually people say, okay, I want to learn React. What do I do? And you go, oh, well, you know, you can read the docs, whatever, but you should build something. <laughs> and yeah, they always go, oh, cool, cool. What do I build? And then you're like, <laughs> ah, Google it. And then, and that's where the conversation ends, right? So.
0: Yeah. And then it's 50 to-do apps and React and Flux, (laughs) right? Like that's.
1: (laughs) To-do apps, uh, Hello Worlds, and that's it, right?
0: (laughs) So that's all you need, apparently. (laughs) So (laughs) So I love, I, I love this notion because I think that what you're tackling is so true. Like, so many people ask me, like, how do I you know build react apps and you're like okay well here's like these handful of resources and they're like yeah but like i actually need to build like something and you're like okay well i got nothing for you so it seems like you're trying to cover that ground with this uh with this new product
1: yeah absolutely i think and i i'm open that i like i took a lot of inspiration from Wes boss's javascript 30 yeah because that's that's such a great format i would say and yeah, so for, for these React apps, there's a lot of... Um, it's made for 2020 and beyond, so it's all based on uh, React hooks. And uh, we use pretty much all of them, I want to say. The only one we don't use is, like, Use Layout Effect, I think. But Okay. But, yeah, so it's it's a lot of fun, actually. And j- we're just making goofy, goofy apps.
0: Yeah, yeah, tell me about them. So you have... Like, I feel like you have a pretty good... Like, a really good mix of things that are like fun or serious like you got authentication on here but then you also have just kind of like a memory match game like it seems like there's a lot of things that people would be familiar with um that might might actually challenge kind of like their notions of how they would have built this thing you
1: know right yeah from the outside it's interesting because when i went to go build them i thought they were going to be built a certain way and it's like (laughs) especially i don't know especially with the way that uh hooks came along and kind of changed our notion of react apps as a whole. And I yeah. think use effect is like the big change in, in a mental shift. So for me, sure. I came into these like, Oh, okay, well, I'm going to do it a certain way. And then once you change your mental thinking to like have effects run when things change, um, some of these apps have like four use effects in, in one component. But- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, it is fun because there's, there's something to like deconstructing apps or like, deconstructing things you see on the web so I don't know it is fun to to rebuild
0: well I really like the way that you've broken this down because one of my favorite I, I I talk about this on the show a lot but one of my favorite um favorite courses in the rails world is rails I feel like that was like kind of you know one of the original kind of like soup to nuts type of tutorials out there and I think Rails is a little bit easier because like it's a full stack framework, right? So you don't have to like also have opinions about the, the back end, which you, you do with React. Um, but one thing I really liked about the beginning of that course is that it started you off with like two micro apps before you got into like the full, you know, kind of the, the, the big daddy app at the end of it, which was like kind of like a Twitter clone. And something I like about this is that it feels very approachable right? Like, I think those of us who've been doing UI for a really long time, you know that it's all about breaking down problems into smaller problems. And it feels like you've covered a really good amount of, you know, between like drag and drop or, you know, text inputs and response and all that kind of stuff. You've covered a good mix of like the scenarios that you're likely to find in most apps, but without having to build a whole app to actually like dive into the best way to build those
1: components. Right. And honestly, the I should put you on the sales page or something but <laughs> cause that's essentially what uh I tried to do is is all, yeah all of these can sa- seem disjointed at first but like each technique that you use in each specific app can um once you have that in your toolbox cuz building apps is yeah. just like putting a bunch of skills or like snippets together and uh <laughs> and that's essentially what each one of these is is that specific skill um or knowledge and, and then eventually you can just put them all together and mix and match to build your apps or whatever you need, right?
0: Yeah. Did you have one that kind of surprised you as you went to build it um, that took like a distinctly different shape than what you had anticipated from the get go?
1: Right. I think all of them, maybe. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, so the thing, the thing with this is uh, I started with a like just getting started with the React course, right? my uh mm-hmm. my cousin's getting into web development right now and i I wanted to like build out some resources for her kind of thing um but the thing is is y- you do a getting started with anything course and eventually you're like all right well it's kind of weird it's abstract i need I need to show like real practice um <laughs> so then you're creating essentially two courses where one's like the concept, which is basically you're reading docs and the other one is the real world apps which spun off into what makereactapps.com is, right? Um I think the weirdest one probably was uh let's see. There was one the browser one. So basically it it um it tries to like build out a chrome browser inside your browser and it uses okay. iframes. <laughs> and I don't know. I've never had fun dealing with iframes and I proved it again in this one.
0: <laughs> but <laughs> now that's a real that's a real challenge like so did you have to do like post message stuff and all that kind of to communicate between iframes or
1: no but (laughs) it was i don't know the thing about all every single one the scope of it always grew too large like i thought yeah i thought each one of these was going to be like two videos max and some of them are got up to like six videos each yeah um so yeah just trying to keep them down in scope was a huge challenge because i started having fun right like you you start building it and you're like, oh, this is fun. Let's keep going.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> now, right now it looks like um you are at fifteen of kind of the twenty that you um you have in the title right now, like make twenty react apps. Um did you have did you have like a, a goal of kind of things that you wanted to cover in those last five? Or now that you have this enthusiasm about making these, you just kinda kinda keep going on and on for the foreseeable future?
1: So the last five I had initially thought to use like third party services that are popular, like authentication uses Auth0. Um, But I will say that pretty much all of these apps that were planned at the beginning have changed or just been thrown away. (laughs) The cool thing thing about uh, doing the pre-release course is that you get immediate feedback from your early um, customers, right? So a lot of them have said, hey we'd really love to see uh this type of app we'd, we'd really love to see drag and drop or uh multi-step form so a lot of these are built out from requests oh interesting so the last one will be a gatsby app cool Now, i
0: know that you've been i think the tweet that caught my eye was you talking about um something about like something before launch i can't remember but the language i thought was interesting because like you go to you go to 20reactapps.com and there's a ton of content, like it's fully fleshed out, right? And so I was kind of curious, you mentioned the pre-release thing. Uh, How have you been rolling this out? Did you kind of push publish on day one and let people buy it if they were interested in following along? Um, Or was it like a little bit later after you had a little bit more of the details fleshed out?
1: So I pushed publish when I had five of the 20 done. Okay. I have seen people like, I'm I'm a big fan of uh, validating an idea as early as possible, right? So that's basically the earliest validation you can do is, hey, do a tweet and say, would you like this course, right? (laughs) Sure. And 90% of the time it's going to be a yes. But I I think the best thing to do is try to get the validation and the best validation is somebody paying you, right? Right. Uh, So if you can move that up in the whole process and do it as early as possible, I thought that five apps out of 20 was a good spot to try it.
0: Nice, nice. So what does that look like? I know I've always kind of been curious, you know, when you do the early release thing, what does an actual release look like? So you get to your 20 apps that you've promised everybody. Um, like, what does it look like when you actually say like, hey, now this is like the product that I wanted to make. Um, kind of where do you go from there?
1: Um, are you saying in pre-release or once all 20 are done?
0: Oh, like so so you have this kind of like pre-release phase, but, you know, it's you know, people are already kind of buying, buying this product. And so I'm kind of curious, you know, if you've been developing a product in secret, there's that phase where, you know, it becomes public, right? Like there was no one could see in behind the gate. And then all of a sudden you open the doors and like, here's this thing that I'm releasing to the world, right? So I'm kind of curious, like if you if you have this kind of, um, you know, step by step, you know, piece by piece type of release and people can buy it, you know, with the pre-release, um, what happens at that kind of like...
1: At that, at that turning point? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, so we did pre-release maybe like three months ago and I was like, is going to be done in one month. And here we are like three months later and <laughs> I still don't have them all done. But <laughs> So uh, it's very much a, let's figure this out as we go along sort of thing. But uh, the way I envision launch at 20 is the cool thing is that the plan was at five, five apps done first pre-release. Uh, it was 50% off. And then at okay. ten apps done, it was forty, and then uh, we're still in forty percent. But uh, I believe launch will probably be a thirty percent off sort of thing. Cool. And yeah, what's interesting is it feels harder to do multiple pre releases and the release, but <laughs> yeah. But ultimately, like something that I always forget is that Twitter and like everything everything is fleeting, right? Like Twitter messages or tweets only last what like sixteen minutes in somebody's feed and then if it's, if they missed it, they missed it forever pretty much. Yeah. And they say in sales, like you have to hit a person three times before they mentally can go, okay, sure. I'll purchase. So that's kind of the strategy there. And I think planning a bunch of release excitement as in like, here's some free resources. Here's one of the apps for free. Um, maybe a giveaway, although I I don't know if I'm the biggest fan of giveaways. Sure. Um, but yeah, just throwing stuff at the wall.
0: That's really interesting because I know I feel kind of the same way. Like I, I think probably because I grew up in an era where stuff wasn't as as fleeting, right? Even Twitter, right, wasn't as fleeting. Like when I started Twitter, it was like I mean, I'm I'm dating myself hard right now, but it was it was basically like a, a group text message service, right? And so you would like tweet. As a text message, and then it would like go to all of your followers. It was basically like text text message broadcasting
1: with broadcasting. Yep.
0: <laughs> yeah, and so it wasn't fleeting at all, right? It was like an actual message to people, um, you know, through your Twitter account. And so it's it's funny to me now how like with the algorithm and just kind of the the, the changing patterns of the way people actually consume Twitter. Um, it is very much like you have to say stuff over and over and over again. And I'm very attracted to like what you're doing here, which is kind of, instead of having to like hype over and over and over again after release, being like, no, actually I made this thing. I really did make this thing a month ago. Two months ago I made this thing. Like you're actually doing that work of like repeating in the like from the beginning. And so it feels more exciting because every time you say something, something new is coming out and something new is coming out as opposed to like, hey, remember six months ago when I released that thing? It's still dope.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I think especially uh, this past year is people people have been more open to the whole like transparency thing. And that's why I think that the whole live coding era is, I think, still coming. Um, but people love seeing things built in progress, right? Like people yeah. love seeing behind the curtains. There's a lot to course releases that a lot of people don't see. And to be able to pull back the curtain, I feel like lowers the barrier to entry for uh, like creating your own course if you are if you want to or um, like seeing the process to, I don't know, everything, everything has a barrier to entry and, and seeing behind the curtain helps.
0: Yeah. What's the balance you strike? Because obviously when someone pays for a course, they want to see something that's like polished but approachable. And so there's kind of like this, like a thin line that you have to kind of ride um you know between like live code but then like a fully polished thing Uh, how do you tackle that um with with uh React apps
1: so i i did a lot of these apps on stream um and kind of went through that whole process so it would be fantastic if we could take a twitch stream and just like take that whole thing and put it in a course right but (laughs) yeah but you're right like the polish the polish is definitely different um a twitch stream that lasted like 3 hours is distilled down into 20 minutes of making the app uh as a as a course format. So, I don't know, I've tried to like when I'm in midstream, I try to remember like okay, for this next 5 minutes record as if you were going to cut it uh and turn it into like a cool. YouTube video or something, but that is incredibly hard to remember and and <laughs> do. I'm still working on it.
0: <laughs> I know these content <laughs> pipelines, man. I envy anyone who is able to kind of like do it effortlessly because it's just it's just nutty. <laughs> now, for each of these, like once you do so you, you said you do all these on stream um, when you actually want to take it to that, like next step, do you do it a few more times and then just try to like get like a really good recording out of it? Or what does that look like behind the scenes? Um, do you just kind of sit there for hours and then? know until you like and then like cut it all up into like one master thing or how does it go
1: yeah so uh when i'm doing the stream or like when i'm prepping for recording these i'll do in my notes i'll just say okay this is video one video two video three and like i've i've gotten enough practice uh like through much pain and video recording but you you start to learn like when things uh can get cut like how long uh certain things in notes takes 10 minutes and all that stuff, right? Sure. So, so yeah, I, I'll I'll do the notes and that probably takes the most prep work. And then the video, I'm usually pretty good at just being able to record. And I've gotten pretty good to a point where I only have to do like three edits or so per video. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then um, I use ScreenFlow. There's like a little add marker button so that you know exactly where the errors are. Some people do that, that big clap, which is also doable, <laughs> but. Uh,
0: That's me. Yeah, I'm a big clap guy. <laughs> so now one thing that is um i think maybe a challenge in doing course material this way um that i think a lot of people who are in a position where they have to mentor people could could maybe learn is that you're kind of do i imagine you're kind of repeating a lot of stuff over again right because every time you approach a new project you're going to use i mean react only has so many constructs right so you're going to cover use effect a lot you're going to cover like writing you know a a single component a lot use state use reducer all those kind of things how has that been kind of like tackling it with like a specific product in mind as opposed to like the abstract if if that makes sense like does it feel like you're repeating yourself a lot or does each app because of its uniqueness feel like a totally different thing
1: yeah i i would say that there is a little bit of repeating but Um, it's fun because it feels like you have more mastery of a certain thing, like use effect, right. Or use state it's, it's kind of comforting when you look at a project or a new problem and you're like, well, I've got, I've got this handy hammer in my pocket (laughs) that I know and trust now, you know? So like every time you use it, you gain more, um, familiarity and trust with that tool. So I think it's, it's actually like a good building on one or on one on top of the other kind of thing.
0: Yeah. I like that idea. It's, you know, we talk a lot about, um, you know, in sports, I know that they have this concept of like deliberate practice, right? You know, so like if you're a golfer or you're like, you know, you know, basketball player, you go to the gym and you just like make a lot of shots. You take a lot of shots. Like it's just, you just got to get it into your muscle memory. And I think as programmers, we don't really do that a whole lot, (laughs) but this seems to really kind of embody that deliberate practice of like, Hey, we're going to use effect, you know, use, use effect 20 different ways. Um, but like, like you said, like every time you're gaining a little bit more mastery of that, those concepts, like what the thing does, what it's capable of and, um, kind of areas where you thought you wouldn't even use it.
1: Yeah. What, what is the, the number? Is it 10,000, hours to be a pro at something? Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> That's a lot of, uh, typing out use effect, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I haven't, I haven't hit that number yet for sure. <laughs> Uh now, I want to transition to um a little bit of your history. you've been doing this thing for a really long time making content for for developers um how did you get started
1: sure uh so i'm thirty one years old now I have been coding since I was fourteen um and the way I got started was actually I was pretty big into p c gaming and I had a gaming clan and <laughs> Yes. Going full send on the nerd right now, but uh, we, we had a gaming clan and one of uh, the people in the clan... Which, which game, by the way? Uh, we did a lot of Wolfenstein. Nice. Okay, awesome. <laughs> Good times. So we had one person in there that was like, oh, hey, here's... Uh, and if anybody from Adobe is listening, it was a long time ago. Uh, he gave a, me a pirated version of Dreamweaver and... So I like looked at the price of Dreamweaver as a kid, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, this thing is like nine hundred dollars." I know. As a text editor, so I was like, "Okay, I've got this really cool tool," um, which is what I thought at the time. And I was like, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna commit myself to at least learning how this thing works." So figured out how that worked. Realized that drag and drop is not the best way to build websites because <laughs> all your p tags are misaligned and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then started freelancing from there, and. Started Scotch in 2013, and um, yeah,
0: that's crazy. So, what did Scotch look like in the early days? Because it's been around for for a really long time. I mean, it's a really it's it's a staple resource uh, on the internet. You've done an incredible job. What did that What did that look like in the early days?
1: So, I've always I've put a lot of time in the early part of my career into design. Like, I I painstakingly went through a lot of Photoshop courses myself, and So Scotch early days, we were pretty big on the uh, left side fixed sidebar uh, as your navigation. Okay, and Mm -hmm. so I think it's been around what seven years now, and we have done about nine redesigns. (laughs) It was like, oh, it's it's August, let's do a redesign. So there's a couple posts I did of like just like a retrospect of what it looked like in the past, like eight versions, and uh, each version it's kind of fun because each one had a specific reason for the change. Like oh, we wanted to uh, increase the uh, pages per visit for one. Right. So there's like a thousand links all over a post. There's one where we wanted to go pure minimalist. So then it's like just this white background with a couple grid uh, articles. So yeah, it's it's fun to have seen like the progression of how things have gone. And it's um, I don't know. It was a big lesson for me that maybe redesigns, uh, you shouldn't spend so much time on them.
0: <laughs> For sure. I'm sure the ROI is uh, is a little bit constrained on that. Did you, <laughs> were you just like kind of writing stuff as you learned it? Or did you have an intent from the beginning of what you wanted the content to look like?
1: When Scotch started, it basically was like a a coding diary of sorts. It was whatever I learned at the time. It was if I had trouble finding a resource on it and learning it and and doing it mm-hmm. uh, in my own personal projects, why not put it down? You already like did the majority of the work, right?
0: Yeah. Now I'm I'm doing a little bit of like mental math right now. You said you're 31 now. It was released in 2013. So like you were just about coming online for alcohol, right? At at 2021?
1: Uh no. When so-
0: Scotch started?
1: <laughs> no, so I was uh it was right around when I was twenty three or twenty four, I think. Oh, okay. Okay yeah, okay. yeah. So I had um I had 2 years of just like cheap beer and then I got into scotch.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. Scotch is pretty sophisticated for someone who's like just, you know, just drinking age.
1: Yeah, yeah. So what's <laughs> funny about that is I actually didn't I don't even think I had drank any scotch when we had started scotch. Um <laughs> so my co-founder Nick, he he went through this whole phase of just jumping on a bunch of IO domains and <laughs> Scotch was one of them. Uh, and we, we always said we were going to change it. So we started with Scotch and we we're like, okay, this is a placeholder. We'll change it uh, as soon as we find something better. And here we are. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, honestly, I've always been curious, you know, why it was that it it was Scotch, um, you know, kind of how that like tied in. I love the logo. I mean, the logo is great. Like you did an amazing job with that. Thanks. Um, but yeah, and so it's it's fun to hear there was just kind of like a, a domain nab that kind of stood the test of time.
1: Yeah, so we have scotch.io, one that we still don't know what to use for, but we think could be really cool is tips.io, tipsio.
0: Oh, nice.
1: Yeah, so uh, I don't know, we're, we're like, oh, it could be like dev tips, or um, there was a point where we wanted to rebuild, like build a new commenting system that would like, I don't I haven't been the biggest fan of Discuss or um, sure. Spot is the other one. So mm-hmm. uh, that was one thing that we wanted to do. Um, at one point, there was like a Reddit alternative brewing, but still it's <laughs> blank.
0: <laughs> yeah, this whole domain in search of a product thing is is real for sure. <laughs> <laughs> if you had to estimate how many domains do you have, like we, we talk about this on the show all the time because I think all of us are, you know, like connoisseurs or you know domain purchasing addicts um <laughs> do you have a number in your head about how many you might have
1: um the thing is you gotta i have to think back on like all the random registrars i use i wish <laughs> i wish there was like one that i used uh i don't know not too many i would say like under 50 <laughs> okay okay good that's yeah yeah
0: yeah that's a maintainable habit
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i have to i don't know if Maybe I should, uh, factor it into my budgets from now on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now you took, um, you took Scotch and you made it into this really, you know, again, like just kind of a staple of the internet, staple resource for, for developers. What did it look like in kind of maintaining that in, I guess, maybe like 2018 or like right before you sold it to DigitalOcean?
1: Right. Um, so what happened, which I wasn't really, uh, Planning on or prepared for, right? Is that I went from content creator, which is probably the most fun in my mind, uh, to more of the editorial management type thing. Because we gotcha. we actually have pushed through about five hundred guest authors from wow all over the world. Uh, shout out to uh, the Nigerian community who rallied around us and such fantastic technical people out of that uh, community. But oh yeah, so so my role from. Like 2016 to 2018 pretty much turned into uh, editorial slash management type thing. Um, so I wrote a lot less. And then uh, I got it in my head around 2018 that I wanted to do a full redesign um, because we had so many global users mm. that Scotch has always been a Laravel, uh, a Laravel uh, CMS that we built ourselves on top of uh, hosted on DigitalOcean but it was in Do in the New York uh, location. So global requests were a little bit slower. Gotcha. So um, I had in my head that I wanted to change the site to pretty much Jamstack before Jamstack. So completely static. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so completely static, but in order to do that, we had to change from uh, server-side session authentication to uh, JSON Web Token authentication. Mm-hmm. And that redesign is probably the the longest one that probably took about eight, nine months to do. Wow. And, uh, yeah, horrible use of my time. Really?
0: (laughs) (laughs) How was that process? Cause I know a lot of people, you know, one of the really sticky things for people who are building react apps is authentication. And so it sounds like you had a lot of pain kind of transitioning from a server side authentication to the, um, JSON web tokens. Is that what they're called? JSON web tokens? Jots. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Um, What
0: were what were the main pain points that you've you faced making that transition, and I guess particularly the unpredictable ones?
1: Yeah. Uh, So the thing about it is like you don't realize how many points uh, of your application use authentication until you have to rip it out, right? Mm. And uh, there was a like Laravel makes session based authentication really easy to use. Like, (laughs) yeah. And this was before Laravel had all the JSON Web Token kind of stuff built in. Like it. It's easier now, for sure. But it was back then when you had to do your own JSON uh, web token, like validation and uh, all that stuff. So for me, it was a lot of ripping out entire parts of the application. Yeah. Uh, and like honestly, when I think about it, it's it was... So, I don't know, a lot of that stuff didn't even need to be in there, right? It was... <laughs> It, it would have been good if I had taken a little bit of time to say, okay, this is a really cool idea. Um, like, we built a job board that went nowhere. And so, a lot of the stuff was just built when it shouldn't have been built, really. I don't know. This is, I guess this is me doing a grumpy retrospect on on Scotch, but... <laughs> I like grumpy retrospects.
0: <laughs> you know, we see, you know, Twitter's for all of the, the hype stuff, all the excitement, and I, I, I like to hear the dirt. <laughs>
1: Yeah, this is this is where it gets dark. <laughs> but yeah, overall, what ended up happening is once all the all the authentication was ripped out and replaced, uh, there was a talk about going to like something like Hugo or Jekyll to get that static site generation. Sure. But one of the smartest things we did was go with Cloudflare, and Cloudflare has a button that says uh, "Cache my site," <laughs> and so Cloudflare. <laughs> Cloudflare will Just do the first serve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the best button on on the planet and nobody really knows about it. Um so yeah, they'll they'll pull the first from your server, like Laravel goes to the database, builds the view, all that stuff, but then after that, HTML served uh from Cloudflare around the world, which is awesome.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Now, during that time, how are you monetizing this product? I know that these types of resources are kind of tricky to monetize and it really is kind of your option is basically just get enough numbers that you can you know advertise uh what did that look like at the point that you started actually monetizing um that product
1: right um so scotch and it's it's interesting seeing a lot of people trying to monetize blogs these days i feel like it's a lot of people jump for the monetization before they do the what you just said not the number building part yeah and uh that's what makes it really tough. Right. So display ads, were to the start? Uh, I would say it's three, four tiers. So it's display ads is at the bottom, which I don't know. There's that meme where it's like you, Batman's like you live long enough to be the villain kind of thing. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's like yeah. you have a site long enough and you put so many ads on it. Like that's the, that's the way you monetize is you just start throwing ads on it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there was a point where we were like, okay, let's let's put an ad in between every like fifth paragraph. Um and that made a ton of money, but we just didn't feel good about it. So we ripped that out. Yeah. Um so there's display ads at the start, and then uh you switch over to the sponsorships, which was mm-hmm. our biggest moneymaker. Um for sure it was. We were doing uh thirteen hundred dollars per week per sponsor. Oh, awesome. So and we would get like three a week. So It turned out really good, right?
0: But then you're managing sponsors constantly. I mean, especially if it's like a weekly thing.
1: Yeah. So lucky for us, we went with uh, Ads and they have a a branch of Ads called Syndicate that is specifically for getting you sponsorships and all that. And they pull, um, I think it's 30% out of that, but they Mm -hmm. do all the work. So that's fine. Um, And then we tried for a minute the uh, monthly memberships. Mm Mm-hmm. So we did courses, uh, we started that up, and honestly, I should have kept going on that instead of focusing on redesigns, because that went really well to start. Uh, I think in the first like two months, we got up to about 15000 per month of revenue. Wow. Um, but the thing about subscription products is that you have to keep up on content, right?
0: Yes, yeah. It kind of changes it from you know something you like doing or like a hobby or or, or whatnot to something that you kind of like have to wake up and like you know whatever seven thirty eight o'clock yeah I gotta sit down and write something
1: uh, <laughs> I think um yeah, I'm a big fan of like not having to be anywhere at any required time <laughs> ever <laughs> yeah, you
0: kind of do this you start this thing to you know gain your own independence and then all of a sudden like you have a you have a membership and now you gotta you gotta funnel funnel your time back into it. You're beholden to yeah.
1: Now, now you're chained to it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's interesting. So, was it that that kind of moved you? I guess into the sale to DigitalOcean. What was what was that transition?
1: Right. Um. Yeah. So, the the transition was one a lot of soul searching for sure. And um, yeah. It it was definitely the management side of things and unsure of like where to go next. Right. Like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, so one of my biggest regrets in Scotch is that I personally don't think a blog can be financially successful. Interesting. So a blog has to have a product that it funnels. So a blog is the ultimate marketing tool, right? Like, mm-hmm. like yes, it provides value. I'm just talking at like the, a pure business standpoint right now. Sure. Is a blog is the ultimate marketing tool. You put it out there and it just keeps getting you free traffic from Google, um, to your product kind of thing or to your blog. So if you're not converting those people over to something that is a paid product, then, uh, you're just, you're tied to display ads or sponsorships. So basically you're saying, okay, all the people that trusted me enough to come here, I'm just going to spam them with these display ads. (laughs) Now it's not the best model, right? For growth. Um, So, yeah, I I would say like, like CSS Tricks, a blog that I look up to for a long time now, right? Like they, Mm -hmm. they have CodePen, right? Yep. Um, Smashing Mag, they do a great job with their conferences. Um, Scotch never found the product that uh, would be uh, like the partner to the blog. Hmm. But now, like with the DigitalOcean transition, that um, is kind of the product, right? Like... But yeah, I can talk about the transition too. There's just something there's there's like a pride to having your own product and doing it yourself for so long. Yeah. <laughs> that that when the the ask to join a different company, even as awesome as DigitalOcean is, right? Like we've been hosted on Dio for a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was definitely a soul searching year for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, bef- I have some follow-up questions, but before we sure. go into that, is are you still involved then in in Scotch with DigitalOcean, or is that kind of has that time has that time passed?
1: Uh, yes, I am involved. Uh, we're not entirely sure like the direction of it yet, mm-hmm. but uh, we're still trying to figure it out.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what you said is really fascinating, and I think this is something that so many people miss. And I like I'm I include myself in that right because you know I. This this podcast is kind of kind of suffers from that same thing. I'll just I'm just gonna be like totally honest with with you and everybody listening. It like suffers from the same thing of like a podcast that I find really successful on this front is um you know <laughs> shoot Adam Wathan's pod, podcast Full Stack Radio. Because he, he did ads for a little bit, but once he actually got his products right, he cut the ads and now it's basically just, you know, he has conversations with people and then all of that podcast is kind of like directing people to products, you know, whether that be like refactoring UI or Tailwind UI, like any of those products that that he has, it's just kind of like a marketing tool for those products. And um, I'm kind of in that same that same boat that you mentioned where it's like, you know, with a podcast, it's like, do you just like keep putting ads in? Like, do I just try to get like as many like ads as I can and like try to like, you know, start putting them in the actual conversations now, like you were saying, like putting them in the paragraphs and like, like, but it just feels gross. Um, and that's that's <laughs> such an interesting insight that I would not really thought of yet, but like the idea of being able to use it almost as a banner for a product. So like blogs and podcasts, and all that kind of stuff are a great advertising tool. If you have something to point people to. (laughs)
1: Yeah. If, if you have something to point people to, that was, yeah, that I would say last year was like that turning year of, um, we don't have anything to point people to, uh, are we going to keep like continuing to put out as much content as we have? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we chose the way that we went and it, so far it's been fantastic of a, of a joining DO. So
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I know that you, you you mentioned a lot of soul searching, and it sounds like Scott kind of took a lot of turns, right? Where it was like you're personally publishing, and then you kind of go into this editorial manager role, and then like just a strictly technical, like figuring out how to authenticate users on a new system. And I guess what were you looking for in selling to DigitalOcean? Because like you said, that's a that's a really big emotional thing. You have kind of these these goals, right? Whether it be your personal freedom or just kind of bragging rights or whatever, and then all of a sudden you kind of give over your baby to, you know, someone else who does has that have that product that they can kind of funnel users through to. What did that feel like?
1: Yeah. Um, what's funny is like, uh, there's, there's like a lot of, there's been a lot of emails that have come through that are like this, right? Like, oh, we'd love to acquire, we'd love to talk about acquiring, all that stuff. I almost deleted the DigitalOcean email <laughs> that started all this, actually, but... Like the first part of it is it has to feel good, right? Like it can't be to some sleazy company that I don't trust. So prerequisite one was good. So the other thing was, um, who are you? Like I spent night and day on scotch, like (laughs) tweaking UI things, like learning about the business, doing finance, uh, like accounting on it, uh, talking to guest authors around the world and all that stuff. Like, who are you once that leaves you, you know? Yeah. And that was a lot of a lot of what I was looking for when you found me at the bar. But <laughs> it's it's uh yeah, I so ultimately what it landed on and what was cool was uh the there was a book that was hanging around uh Elon's autobiography one of the two. Mm-hmm. But it go it went into i took a lot of inspiration from his story actually because he started like he did the whole paypal thing right and then mm-hmm. sold that thing off and then uh basically took that and rolled that into being able to do tesla and solar city and yep. uh spacex and all that so a lot of it was like look to the future and and know that scotch is going to a good home mm-hmm. and that this is going to enable you to do uh, the next leg up, which I still haven't figured out yet, but interesting. So so <laughs> it,
0: it sounds like, you know, after, you know, seven years, there's a lot of identity, you know, you're you're Chris on code of Scotch. Right. And then like, yeah. what does it, what does it mean to not be like of Scotch anymore? Like is, is, is Chris on code enough? And like, do you, like, can you find that next thing? Can you find the Tesla and the solar city and the SpaceX and whatever, you know, so that people know you of, you know, Chris on like, code of fame, yeah. react apps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. So I, I thinking, uh, the courses is, are, are good because there's, there's like a lot of knowledge you build up building, a business right like not just sure. the coding side the marketing side all that stuff so if i can help some people like impart that in a way um then cool and that's kind of my holding pattern uh until like the next thing pops up
0: yeah well i love that and it seems like it, it, now it maybe overreaching you can tell me it, it, if not but it feels like maybe this particular product you know 20 react apps almost is is kind of like birthed out of some lessons you learned about not wanting to be beholden to people for like new content all the time like you kind of have this like hard cap on like hey this is the amount of stuff that you're gonna get for this amount of money and uh see ya
1: (laughs) yeah i that's actually a good way to put it um yeah it it is good to have it uh like an end to it for sure um what's interesting is that it starts as 20reactapps.com right and uh, we we did pre-sales, all that good stuff. And I looked at like the progress people have done. And most people haven't done more than f- like three to five apps. Interesting. So asking them to pay for 20 when they're only like looking to do like three to five. Um, so that's why I had to change it over to make react uh-huh. is because, uh, yeah, I, I guess tw- 20 was a lot. So I guess the the lesson I'm learning is like, whatever your goal is. Cut it in half and take the small win, and then uh, focus on what's next.
0: Fascinating. That's 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 some good feedback because I know, like my experience too is like there's a there's a pretty steep drop off on like every course. Like anything that I've ever made, it always feels like okay, I got like the meat at the end of it, and it's like people just want like the appetizer and like <laughs> that's it.
1: <laughs> hey, there's there's five more courses here. <laughs> you got all, you paid for a lot more here. <laughs>
0: Well, I'm really excited about what you're um what you're doing, and I'm excited about kind of this new, I guess this new style of content creation for you. Um, kind of as you'd mentioned, that kind of like West Boss model, like a nice little like tight package. And uh, I'm really excited to see you know what comes of it. I'm excited to send people your way. One thing I like to kind of like close up with is, you know, what are you excited about kind of for the next you know two three like the near term future stuff that's like just just beyond the horizon but um is kind of coming into view
1: sure i think um i am pretty excited like i i built scotch on laravel and the cool thing about it the same as uh ruby on rails right like everything's under the like in one nice package you have everything you need right and right now everything's very much like let's go grab a third party for everything which (laughs) i'm all for right like outsource everything that isn't competitive advantage I'm cool with it but what's been fun to see and I think that Jamstack is still a little early on Mm -hmm. um, but we're starting to see it like uh, the last episode with with, uh, Remix Mm -hmm. Redwood I'm starting to see Jamstack turn into that full stack uh, because I'm trying to build SaaS apps like the next thing I want to build I don't I want to see if I can do it without writing code yeah (laughs) for real (laughs) so that would be cool
0: yeah, I feel like a couple of years ago, this whole idea of, you know, like, oh, you're not going to you're not going to write any code or whatnot felt like a pipe dream. But there are a couple of products that kind of make it like pretty believable. Right. Like, I, so I did the whole thing in it was just Airtable. Right. And an Airtable like itself just has so many cool things. I thought like, oh, for sure, I'm going to have to connect to it to do like this little thing. It was like, no, there's like a there's like a little view for that. And so I just enabled the view. And like now people can, you know, kind of consume this content as a as a list versus, you know, the form. And like it kind of reminded me like, you know, 10 years ago or I don't know, before that, I guess, when I kind of started with, you know, PHP. You know, I had to do all that stuff by hand, and now there's services that like just do all that kind of stuff. So I think you're right. Like Jamstack, um, it's it's just really coming into something that you know does have the potential to be you know kind of like Laravel or Ruby on Rails, be this full stack thing that you kind of just like NPM install and go.
1: Yeah, I, I absolutely like. That's why I, I'm so drawn to Notion. Um, Notion, if you're listening, I'm still waiting on that API, uh, but. <laughs> I don't know, like Notion, Airtable, fantastic tools, right? Like all these CMSs that can do like your API out of the box, all that good stuff. Um, What I am interested to see more of is Microsoft has GitHub, NPM, uh VS Code, TypeScript. <laughs> like there's got to be an AI play like coming soon or something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Because like I installed kite.com, uh, like this coding AI they bill it as. And it like reads your code and then like as snippets it's like hey did you want to did you want to make this react component and it like gives you like this whole thing and you're like wow that's exactly what i was trying to write <laughs> so i feel like like shoot i was
0: i was really prepared to just like just dog on this hard but like that's actually pretty good
1: yeah oh i was so ready to hate on it but <laughs>
0: well i mean especially coming from you know your your first experiences with Dreamweaver, right where it's like you get the magic but then you know a week later you realize like that's a terrible way to do that why
1: on (laughs) earth would it do it like that like to see it actually work is like a miracle that's crazy i mean it's it's only been we haven't had any of this stuff for too long right like it's only been i've only been coding what like 15 years um but yeah, you you ask for the next like three years. I think a lot will happen in the next three for sure. Yeah. Um, with all the, I don't know. I feel like Microsoft's gonna do some fun stuff.
0: Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. All this, um, all these services have been really good, but the development environment has not been great. Mm. And it does feel like, to your point, like it feels like Microsoft is kind of getting all the pieces together to make this, you know, just a really nice, um a nice cohesive development flow for a lot of developers.
1: I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> well, Chris,
0: this has been awesome. Thank you so much for giving us that like, kind of like a peek behind the curtain of your like content creation strategy. Some of the things that, that, that happened on Scotch and are happening, um, at makereactapps.com. Um, do you have kind of like a final pitch, you know, for, for anyone who wants to check out that product? Sure.
1: Um, <laughs> I'm terrible at pitches. I'm like the worst <laughs> at pitches. <laughs> Uh I I will say I think it's a good course right but uh more than that I have been doing a lot of live coding uh and if you want to hang out with me there and just like chat with me and have fun and build random weird things uh I'm on chrisoncode.live and that's kind of where I'm doing my Twitch streams so that I'll I'll pitch that I'm terrible at pitching paid products
0: <laughs> awesome where else can people find you about the internet
1: uh so I'm on twitter.com/chrisoncode Scotch.io is still up and running. And uh, ChrisOnCode.live is where I'm doing all my streaming.
0: Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, go follow Chris. He's doing amazing stuff, and uh, you'll learn a lot. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. This has been episode 101 of React Podcast with Chris on Code and Chantastic. For links, visit reactpodcast.com slash 101. Thanks so much to our sponsors, Infinite Red and Test Cafe. If you're looking for an intuitive, easy to use, and automated testing tool, give Test Cafe Open Source Edition a try. It's free to use, setup is painless, and you don't have to install cumbersome web drivers for the supported browsers. Experience Test Cafe today. Download your copy by visiting testcafe.io and enjoy testing. If you have a project that's gone off the rails and needs expert help, Get Infinite Red on your side. They've been designing, building, and shipping apps for 10 years and want to bring that experience to your apps, products, and services. They have a deal right now where you get $750 for referring a new project. Get expert help from Infinite Red at reactpodcast.infinite.red. If you like this show, there's a fast, free way to demonstrate your support. Leave us a review on iTunes. It's the best way for you to let me know what you think we're doing right and what we can improve. Two to three minutes of your time helps us make the best show we possibly can. As always, links and show notes for all episodes are available at reactpodcast.com. This episode was edited by Mikhail Delport. It was produced by Mikhail Delport and Sarah Jackson at Spec, a network to help you level up in design and development. Check out spec.fm for other shows that are sure to fast-track your career. I'm your friend Chantastic. Thanks for listening. We'll be in your ears again next week.